Well, good morning to each one. Greetings in Jesus' name. God has certainly given us a beautiful day to worship Him. I too want to welcome the visitors who are among us. We're glad you're here and invite you to join in and worship the Lord with us. Well, today, as you know, is a special day for the mothers. And so to all the mothers, happy Mother's Day. Today I plan to share two messages. First, I will share a Mother's Day message. And then second, I plan to share a brief council meeting message. Solomon once said, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. If you are here today and had the privilege to know the tender love of a mother, you are a blessed person. For a text, I invite you to Exodus 20, verse 12. Exodus 20, 12. In Exodus 20, we have a list of what we call the Ten Commandments. 20, 12, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. I have titled my message, Honor Thy Mother. Now, not everyone here today is a mother, obviously. However, if you are here, you have a mother. Your mother may be young. She may be middle-aged. Your mother may be old. Your mother may be no longer living. Maybe you, maybe you have never met your mother or even know who she is. This morning, we are commanded to honor our mother. This commandment is repeated at least nine times throughout the Bible. What does the word honor mean? When we honor our mother, what are we doing? The word honor means to prize, to value, esteem, hold dear to something that is precious. For many of us, to honor mom is easy. You know, mom is the best person I have ever known. Mom is my best friend. I would not trade anything in the world for mom. If that is so, praise the Lord, you are blessed. However, for others to honor mom, it may be difficult. Maybe you are hurting because of choices your mother has made, choices that were out of your control. If that is your experience, you too can honor your mother. You can honor your mother by forgiving her. You can honor your mother by praying for her. You can honor your mother by being a man or a woman for God. George Washington honored his mother when he said, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical ed education I received from her. And so today, I want to honor two mothers of one of the greatest men in the Old Testament history, and that man is Moses. From birth, God had a special plan for Moses, and in working out his plan, he saw fit to give him two mothers, 
Jochebed was his birth mother. His adoptive mother is simply known as one of Pharaoh's daughters. Through the influence of these two mothers, Moses was molded into the kind of man that God needed to fulfill his plan. Turn, if you would, to Exodus chapter 2. I'd like to begin by reading 1 through 4, Exodus chapter 2. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. With the birth of this Hebrew boy, there is now a choice, life or death. If you go back to chapter 1 of Exodus, Pharaoh had made a decree that all the Hebrew boys must be killed. Society said this baby was not wanted. This child was to be thrown away. Choosing life for this child put the whole family at risk. You can only hide a boy for so long, and I can say that from experience. <laughs> I'm sure the family was on guard constantly, trying to keep him quiet, trying to keep him from making noise. They knew if their secret was found out, the baby would be killed, and more than likely they would be punished themselves for not obeying Pharaoh's command. Then you have to thank too of the other Hebrew mothers who had obeyed and thrown their baby boys in the river. You know, what if they would find out? Would they tell? You know, those mothers could have said, we threw our baby boys in the river. Do you all think you're better than us? I believe they were hiding their baby son for both the Hebrew people and the Egyptians. Imagine the fear Moses' family lived with each day. But even though there was fear, I believe that Jochebed never once regretted choosing life. Let's keep reading in Exodus chapter 2. We'll begin reading at verse 5. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along the river's side, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then said the sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. 
Pharaoh's daughter, along with her maidens, arrive at the river. As they approach the river, they notice a strange basket floating among the reeds. She sends one of her maids out to retrieve it. The maid brings the basket back to shore. The princess opens the basket in verse 6 and finds a crying baby. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. This is one of the Hebrew children. This is one of the children that my father, the king, decreed should die. And so, as she looks upon the crying baby, she too must make a choice, life or death. For the princes, the easiest, the safest, the thing that would have made the most sense would have been to let this child die. Just simply push the basket out into the current and let nature take its course. I don't know how it is for you, but when my dad made a rule, he expected it to be obeyed. And think with me, what if your dad was king and you, his daughter, would write out and disobey the decree? How do you think that would go over? How would that go over for you? You know, to obey the decree would have brought her in favor with her dad or with Pharaoh, the king. You know, dad, guess what I did for you today? To disobey the decree put her life at risk. It put her reputation at stake. It put her father's reputation at stake. Pharaoh's daughter chose life. Having no idea what it may cost her, she drew him out of the water. Isn't that a beautiful, isn't that a beautiful picture of a mother's love? So now at this point, Moses has two mothers. And so we have two women, one a Hebrew, the other a Egyptian princess. They both chose life for a child at the possible expense of their own lives. Both mothers lived in a culture of death. Both mothers lived in a society that decreed that certain children should die, yet they both chose life. Later, God brought punishment upon Egypt for Pharaoh's wicked decree. When God punished Egypt, he brought 10 plagues down upon them. The 10th plague, as you remember, was the death of the firstborn. In Exodus 11, verse 5, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of all the animals. Egypt decreed death for the Hebrew children, and so God decreed death for the Egyptian families as well. You know, we too live in a culture of death. We live in a culture that determines that it is best if certain children should die. Our nation kills an average of 300, I'm sorry, 3,000 unborn babies every day. 
Today, honor your mother for choosing life. Moses begins to grow. He begins to mature. He now has two mothers that love him dearly. Imagine what kind of mothers they must have been. Any mother that is willing to risk what these mothers risk would be the best mothers that this world can know. As little Moses grows up, he becomes shaped into the kind of man because of his mothers. I believe that Mother's Day is a good day for us to stop and reflect on all that our mothers have done for us. Someone, I believe David already mentioned that, to remember and to thank them and show appreciation. But think of all that mom has done for you before you can even remember. It's been said that what your mother did for you before you can remember birth to your first memories is probably more than what you can remember. Moses' birth mother is an example of a real mother. The preparation of the little basket boat, how it was made, where it was placed, all this was prayed over, it was planned and thought through from one end to the other. Moses' mother placed that basket where she knew it would be found. That is why the sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Jochebed did everything that she possibly could do for her son. Today, honor your mother for the prayers, the planning, and all the thanking that went into your life or is going into your life. Back to Pharaoh's daughter, Moses' new adoptive mother. After opening the basket, she immediately falls into love, or falls in love with this crying Hebrew boy. Her first concern is the child's immediate care. I need someone to take care of him. From a young Hebrew girl, she hears of a possible candidate who is quickly sought for. The candidate arrives on the scene. She passes the job interview. She gets the job. Her instructions were, take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And when the child grew, and she brought him back unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. We don't know how long, but sometime later, Moses was brought back to Pharaoh's daughter. And Acts 7, 22 says, and Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word, in words and deeds. Pharaoh's daughter saw to it that Moses would have all the advantages that her world could supply. She wanted him to be more than a common Hebrew labor. She wanted him to be a leader, a ruler of nations, and she succeeded in making him into a man who was powerful in speech and action. Honor your mother for the time that she is, has put or is putting into your education. You know, we send our children off to school. 
I'm thankful for our Christian schools. I'm thankful for our Christian teachers. They are such a blessing. However, it's the mother that makes a difference in a child's education. You know, it's mom that prepares the child for school, for first grade. Mom is the one that makes sure the child has plenty of rest, a good breakfast. Mom sees to it that the child has a clean body, clean clothes, and a good lunch. Mom is the one that sees and makes sure that homework is complete. Mom is the one who spends time in the evening helping to study for tests, giving out spelling words, reading them, reading with them the story for the next day, and on and on. You know, teachers, we appreciate what you do. You're so important. But it's really mom who makes the difference. To the young mothers that are here today, I encourage you to learn from Pharaoh's daughter. Get involved in your children's education. Listen to their stories. Go on field trips. Do hot lunch. Study with your children. Yes, it's a lot of hard work, but it is work that will make a difference. Pharaoh's daughter was that kind of mother, and so can you. So today, honor your mother for sacrificing of her time for the sake of your education. Now, as important as education is, only Jochebed gave Moses the one thing that could change his life. Even though Pharaoh's daughter supplied Moses with the best education of that day, the best schools, the best teachers, Hebrews 11.24 tells us that the time came that Moses refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. There was something that Pharaoh's daughter had not supplied him in. There was something missing in the best education that money could buy in Egypt. What was missing? What was missing? It was God. A knowledge of who God is. You know, without God in the center of our children's lives, or without God in the center of our lives, there will be an emptiness that nothing else can fill. I'd like to read several verses from the book of Ecclesiastes. I invite you to turn there. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon looked at all the advantages a man could have in his life. He talked about wealth. He talked about education. He talked about power. He talked about success. And towards the end of the book, he declares, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 8. He says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. But if you turn down to, or if you look down to verse 13 and 14, in the very last verse, Solomon ends his book on the meaninglessness of life with this advice, 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. What is 
Solomon saying here in Ecclesiastes? I believe he's simply saying that life without God is meaningless and empty. Only with God can we reach our full potential. Once we know who God is, then we can realize that we have been made in his image. We begin to understand that we are part of his plan. We have been created for a purpose. There is a reason that God has placed each one of us on this earth. Jochebed, in a short window of opportunity, impressed upon her son a knowledge of the true God. As Jochebed raised her little boy, I believe she realized that she had only a short time to impress upon him the things of God. She may have told him stories about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She wanted him to know the God of the Hebrew people. Today, honor your mother for showing you the true and living God. Honor your mother by making her God your God. Today, honor thy mother. Honor her for choosing life. Honor her for all the effort that she has put into your life. Honor her for the time she gave for your education. And most of all, honor her for teaching you about the true God. Honor thy mother that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Merle will lead us in a couple verses of song. I wasn't sure exactly what song to lead, so let's uh, sing a couple verses of 466. Actually, a Christmas song that talks about honoring our mother, Mary. Sing verse 1 and verse 3. <clears throat> Number 466.
once again, good morning. <laughs> it's not very often you get two sermons in one Sunday morning. You know, I was thinking if we would take our Sunday school lesson to heart and just go home with that, that would be really all we need for council meeting. But I thought we may look at just a few things here. Often when we think of council meeting, our minds go to 1 Corinthians 11. I'd like for you to turn there. The words of the Apostle Paul. In the first part of 1 Corinthians 11, we have the Paul teaching the uh, headship covering. And then moving on into the middle of the chapter, the Corinthians were having some issues on how they were observing the Lord's Supper. There was partiality. They were dividing up in social groups and some were getting lots to eat and some were getting almost nothing. And one of the things that Paul brings out in his teaching here is the importance of personal preparation. Personal preparation for communion. You see, they were getting together and, and, and kind of looking among themselves and sorting each other out. But Paul brings out the thought of personal examination why he says so that we do not take communion unworthy and bring damnation upon ourselves and so we learn here from Paul's teaching to the Corinthians about examining ourselves and the importance of it and so I'll read verse 23 through 29 of 1 Corinthians 11 for I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthy eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not deserting the Lord's body. And so we have in verse 28, but let a man examine himself. I have a story that I want to share. It's actually a true story. It happened at our house. As we think about examining ourselves, Several weeks ago, my wife needed to do some grocery shopping. And so, in preparing for the grocery shopping trip to town, like all good wives do, she started making a grocery list. And as you know, a grocery list requires doing pantry slash refrigerator inventory. You know, how much milk do we have? How much? butter, how much bread, you know how that is. 
Now, because of a future recipe that my wife planned to pursue, one concern was how much sour cream do we have? Well, in doing some refrigerator inventory, back in the corner of the refrigerator, back in the corner where my wife would keep her full new containers of sour cream, appeared, was what appeared to be a new full container of sour cream. And so good, we have plenty of sour cream. My wife went to town and did her grocery shopping. Well, several days later, my wife is in the middle of the recipe that requires the sour cream. She goes to the refrigerator to get out the container of sour cream. And as she lifts it out of the refrigerator, it strikes her that the container feels light. You know, it, it, it doesn't have the proper weight of a full container of sour cream. And so, you know, thoughts go through your mind, well, did we use part of this? What's the deal? So she opens the container expecting to find at least some sour cream but there was no sour cream to be found. <laughs> to her dismay, what she found was dirt and night crawlers. <laughs> now earlier we talked about keeping a young boy quiet, but it's another thing having four fishermen in our house. Paul wrote, in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul wrote, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Christ, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Paul is saying, examine yourself. Take a look at what is inside your container. Test yourself. Is Jesus Christ in you? You know, that container of sour cream looked just right in the refrigerator. In fact, my wife, she made a comment. She said, it was sitting right back in there where it was supposed to be. You know, anyone looking at that container would have thought that it was full of pure white sour cream. And as I look out over you today, the outsides of your containers look very good. It's beautiful. As far as I'm concerned, you all look ready for communion. You're sitting in the proper spot. You got a pure white sour cream look. However, how you look to others is not what matters. What matters is how God sees you. What matters is how God sees me. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but it's God who looks on the heart. Next Sunday, we plan to have communion, a time when we remember in a special way the suffering and death of our Lord. Communion is a time of fellowship. We practice communion in a collective way. We practice communion as a brotherhood. However, the preparation part of communion is very personal. You do that alone. That is your responsibility. And so Paul says, let a man 
examine himself. This morning, I'm not suggesting that your container is full of dirt and night crawlers. I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting that you and I must open the lids of our hearts and truly and honestly evaluate what is in our hearts, what is in our containers. So I wish you God's blessing as you do that this spring and as you prepare for communion this coming Sunday. God bless you as you take a look inside your containers. It's your job. It's your responsibility. We'll call for a closing song.